0: Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Plenty to talk about after an All Blacks team was named for the Rugby World Cup with some interesting choices, an interesting forward-back mix. The winners, the losers, we'll get into all of that. Bledisloe too as well. It went really badly until it went really well for the All Blacks. What happened there? How do mistakes become contagious? And how was it that they managed to turn it all around? Jordy Barrett joins us on the podcast to talk a little bit about moving into the midfield, amongst other things in his career and also the shakedown from the weekend's international games and what they mean in the context of Rugby World Cup a month away. So with no further ado, joining me in the studio in our old studio just for today. Beautiful. James Parsons. How are? Yeah, yeah, good, mate. Good, good. And down in Christchurch, this is really like old times. Down in Christchurch, <laughs> uh, Bryn Hall. Bryn, thanks for joining us.
1: No, good to be here, lads. Good to be here. Good, good to have you back, Jibber.
0: We saw how the All Blacks went on the weekend. We went into the World Cup selections, and I think everyone was wondering about what would happen with the mixture in the forwards and the backs. They've gone with an extra outside back, and I think most presume that that's probably Caleb Clark, who is the benefactor of that, and they've only gone with four forwards, and five, four locks and five loose forwards. Interesting mix, considering the attrition you usually get in those positions, Bryn.
1: I think if you do look at that loose forward trio, um, and we talked about it a lot at the start of the year, the versatility of players. And so, Shannon Frizzell can cover that, um, can cover the lock area. Um, Tupo Vai can obviously cover that lock six. Jacobson can cover all, all three. Um, so, other than really Sam Kane, who's seen as an out-and-out out seven. A lot of that loose forward chair can cover a lot of positions. So, but um, interested. Just again with the attrition rate, thought they would have covered another loose forward. But um, yeah, a lot of those guys can cover multiple positions. So, I think that's probably the thinking: having five looses and four locks, and having that extra outside back in the outsides.
2: I think Barrett is a six as well. Like they've used him as a six. So, um, especially with those three, I know Brody's going to be out for the first. But those three playing so well, and if there is, they caught a little bit short. Um, you know he can do a job there. I did think Finau had played his way in. Mm. Like after that, after the weekend, I thought, man, like he was 100% gain line in every carry. You know, I think 80% of the meters he made um, were post contact meters. So you know he's taking those tough carries, but then coming out the other side. Um, you know he's 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 one of the three that are travelling up, and and he'll be available. Um, but it is. I'm not 100% sure of the rules, but it's not as easy as you think to replace. So I think that squad balance. There may, there may be some concerns about someone else that may be carrying injury that we don't know about, uh, mm. maybe in that outside back area. Um, and then I think potentially um, Leicester's ability. I know. I think it's brought the best out of Leicester that he's been on the wing for the Crusaders all year, and you know he's 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 dominant there, but. He has shown he has the ability to potentially move into that midfield as well. They obviously they've used Caleb a lot this year, um, and they've changed his position to coming off the bench. So they've obviously got some plan a- a- around him. Um, and I think, as I mentioned, I think leicester probably can fill that centre role. Um, yeah, or they want that two power. I'm not too sure. I think a lot of it has to do how you can enter players into the squad with the World Cup? It's it, it's a complicated process. They can't play for like 48 hours. I think there has to be a couple of injuries. Mm. So it's not like that's all the planning, proactive planning they have to do for what the what-if scenarios.
1: Yeah, it is very interesting to see why they've done that. But I think, you know, with Amoni Narawa, you know, being injured as well, um, you know, like Juppa said, we might not be privy to the information around how bad his his injuries with his back not being able to play since Argentina. So, you know, you do you have the risk of being able to cover um, with an extra outside back. And, again, I think just with the versatility that we have in our locks with Barrett and Vibe being able to cover that six area with Shannon our out and out 6 you uh, you've just got a bit of um, versatility and flexibility in that area. But if there are injuries in that loose wall trio, which does have a high attrition rate at Test Match Footy, then I think coming back to what you said, they must have done some preparation in and around what that's going to look like if they need to bring guys on like some of Kenny who was travelling um, to to that, to that South African game before the yeah. World Cup.
2: And, and also, I think on the weekend... Offer played so well coming off the bench at Loosehead, and it, it made a real statement that he he can do both sides. So I thought, I honestly thought they might go with five props, um, and then that would be uh, the extra Loose Lucy uh, there. Um, I was, I, I probably wasn't so fixated on the outside. I, I genuinely thought that's where the extra spot would come from. Um, but they've gone with the six, so th- they're, they're probably worried, you know, if you do use the Wallabies as an example, they've lost, what, four props in the space of two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Not from the World Cup, but do you know what I mean? Like, it, injuries can happen um, fast, and as I don't want to labour the point, but the entry rules aren't aren't that easy to get players in, so that's, that's probably why they've gone for, you know, sure, some of those specialists.
1: This is it common for... Um, for test squads to, to carry two props that can cover both sides because you know we nah, talked around
2: this so, one. but but I think like previously they've used Ben Franks you know who can cover and I don't know where they took the, it might have been the Lucys they took in 2015 an, an extra Lucy um, but I, I think it's fair to say Offer genuinely can cover both sides like Tamari has what two tests it would be unfair to probably you know in a World Cup to you know chuck him out at tight head at this stage, I think. Like, he, he'll really want to dominate that loose head position, which is his natural position. Whereas offers come the other way. Offers a tight head that's moved to learn loose head. And my understanding from all the props I know is moving from loose head to tight head. Tight head's a big role. That's why it's so well paid in like France and, um, you know, the UK, because she's the cornerstone of, of, of your platform, basically, and the style they play out there.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's talk, uh, Bryn, about Brad Webber, because I don't think I've seen a very strong answer as to why Brad Webber is not in there and Finlay Christie is. They've talked about skill sets, but without any serious detail. What about Brad Webber isn't as good as Finlay Christie right now for the All Black Selectors, do you think?
1: I don't think it's, it's just unfortunate for Brad because he's just very similar to Aaron Smith and Aaron Smith doesn't get injured. So they see Finn as a different type of style, and that's why they've got with him, I think.
2: He's jinxed him. <laughs> wow. Brad you'll be in there mate Bryn's just jinxed him Aaron Smith doesn't get injured you've been there first my god awesome. <laughs> holy dooly he doesn't get injured mate he does oh, not get Sorry. Yeah, the conspiracy theorists out there if he goes down, <laughs> he game, he he goes down against South Africa I tell you what I'm coming round to your boozer
0: what I would say though I mean, considering that he's been left out of the World Cup squad this is Brad Webber and you get a phone call saying, but actually, can you come with us for a couple of weeks I'd beforehand? rather that.
2: I've been on the receiving end of a phone call where you, you don't get back in at all. So yeah. it's, um, that would be much preferred.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure it just takes a little bit of something. You've got a bit of character about you to take that phone call, put on a smile and say, yes, there'll be there. The, the, oh, but he's yeah. he's
2: got that in droves. Sometimes yeah. that plays against players that are good at that as well. You know, They know that he's going to turn up ready to rock and roll. He's shown it before. He what was it in between his tests? It was two years or something. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, there's no one's ever going to question. It. And he's just such a competitor, like all nines. Like he, he'll see it as a challenge, and he he will be red hot.
0: Is this squad only locked in come the kickoff of the World Cup? So let's say someone gets injured in those two weeks leading up to Yeah, I think it's it.
2: once they go in.
0: So you can you can swap again. But it's just the moment that they say okay this is the first week of the world cup this is the monday sorry the squads are locked off
2: yeah yeah i'm pretty sure yeah i don't know it but you'd have to think if there's injuries against south africa then yeah those three players are there for a reason yeah and then they're there for a little
0: bit longer and then yeah Maybe jump on a Kentucky bus or something and, and head around the the continent I'm just for a little sure while. Pretty sure there's a
2: few PU CEOs saying, no thanks, get back here and, uh, uh, and get into the MPC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and probably an All Blacks uh, camp as well that wants you hot. I, yeah. I mean, speaking of Joe Moody, obviously he came into that squad late, didn't he? And he came in hot and then through what is now almost an iconic offload in, in All Blacks history, yeah. you know. Um, it was a star in 2015 because of it.
2: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, he'll be back in 10 days, and yeah, I mean, World Cups are uh, brutal, so there's definitely going to have to be players caught up. It's, it's just a reality of rugby.
0: You spent a lot of time with Imoni Narawa while he came into the Blues at a young age, didn't you? Yeah. He? Um, and, and he was the word on the street was this kid had something about him, but he didn't quite get there nah,
2: then. Uh, he just had a, he had a, he got injured a lot. You know, like when they come in young, like Super Rugby is a big jump from the NPC, and he's he's always had the talent, um, whether, you know, potentially was he a fullback, was he a wing, maybe didn't get um, clarity on where, where he sat. But every time he got an opportunity or even in the development side, he'd pull up with a niggle. So it just stems that flow. Um, and rugby's quite a ruthless um, business it's like if if you can't if you're on the field, off the field a lot more than you are actually even available, um, it just you know perceptions get made and um, you know he, he, obviously other guys like an AJ lamb and stuff were coming through so they had to make room um, yeah. at the blues uh, to reward his form and his ability um, on the pitch and um, you know I think, I think uh Imani has matured a hell of a lot um and he said this publicly after having his daughter mm. um it's just you know his focus is to get home from training and and you know get into sort of that family life rather than maybe previously it was about you know sort of you know being with the lads or um you know his focus is razor sharp at home and and you know normally nine times out of 10 what you do away from the training base is the same sort of behaviours you'll see within the training base so um, he's always had the talent, but it, it sounds like um, his, his focus in his own words has, has been razor sharp this, this season um, and probably last, like he was really good for Bayer Plenty um, last season the NPC, and then you know, he, he took his opportunity when he got into that Chiefs environment.
0: That's a really interesting point. So if, you've, if you're working to certain schedules, if you're disciplined, if you've got empathy, if you've got all those things that you need at home in your family life. I believe that it translates.
2: I believe that, and I think you know behavioral scientists scientists say the same. But I didn't, you know, I didn't do a degree in it, so I I can't say. But in my personal opinion, is the most rehearsed action will come to life under pressure. Yeah. So if nine times out of ten you're you're nailing these behaviors, then when you're under pressure and you get in that pressure environment, those behaviors will come come forward versus other behaviors that you may you may dot, dot your eyes cross your t's when the eyes are on you yeah. but then may not be doing it when the eyes are off you so when the pressure comes on you know it's just
0: the most learned behavior will will rise you got the same take Brent?
1: i look at my time when you know there are a lot of times where in those in those kind of quarter final semi-final final stages the kind of preparation side that went into that that's just obviously a team element but um the, the good players, the consistent players that you hear from time to time again for, for years and years, um, the behaviours that they have in trainings on and off the field and when they've got that all sorted, you get that when you're with them. Your maturity of age obviously but it looks like Nimani, um has got it right obviously with his, um, with his, little, with his little kid and um, on the field as well, being able to get on the field is your currency we say it a lot here, getting on the field and being able to perform consistently and making yourself available um, has given himself an opportunity now to go to the Rugby World Cup and um, due to his
0: performance in the last twelve twelve months, so you would have loved this, chipper. We've got Tamati Williams obviously coming up on the podcast um, next mm. week, and he had a quote that you would have absolutely loved. Oh yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll utilise it. Yeah, yeah, your best ability <laughs> is your availability, ah, and yeah. I just I immediately—that's well, exactly uh, what it is. Yeah,
2: the less available you are, the less attractive you become. Yeah, um, and I mean that's that's professional sport. Like it's um, it's brutal, but. It is what it is.
0: Oh, it's really, really interesting, though, to hear how that translates off the field. You know? But I think
2: the, pr- the other thing about it is, um, one of the best performance tools to get better is self-awareness, mm. and Imani's come out and said, my discipline, my focus, since I've had my little girl is this so? He's self-aware enough of that, mm. and he's comfortable in his own skin to say it publicly, which only means like when you go into a review, you're not just looking for all the good stuff. You're actually you're open to saying I, I'm not good at this. What you know, do you know in ter- yeah. terms of that performance, you know, grind and wanting to get better and not just being satisfied, not being complacent, because he was playing so well, it'd be easy to go, oh, it's just going to happen. Mm. But it's it's the moment you let go of that consistent preparation and, and that self awareness of where your game's at and what area may, may need some fine tuning, is the moment that you, your purple patch will end.
0: And, and the way that the modern winger plays now is you, you cannot Bryn, just wait out on the wings. You've got to be involved. You've got to have a work ethic. You've got to be. Well, Lester was it like
2: massive that. on the weekend. Like how often did you see him in, enter himself into the game?
0: Mm.
1: That's definitely where the where the wingers are. And you look at the New Zealand wingers that have been selected, you look at, you know, like Celeste Fanganuka who on the weekend, you know, if he finds himself that he can't get the ball on the edge, he'll get in the inside and be able to do a pick and go and get three or four meters on the air, on the on pick and go with the force to help them out. And that's the way that he can influence a game. mean, um, then you look at Mark Tele, his his ability to be able to work, oh, football, his fitness right. Been able to, whether it's roving off nine, roving off ten, if it's on the edge, he's always involved in the game. And so, you know, that's the kind of where the where the wingers are at the moment. We've talked about Korobedi a lot, has ability to work off the ball. And so if you don't have that ability um, to be able to work off the ball, you're not going to be selected in, in teams because I think that's just where the Dana, the now winger now that just stays on the outside and waits for the ball to come to him um, is definitely gone now. So you've got to be able to have a great work rate. And obviously pneumonia, and I think a lot of these all-black wingers have the ability to be able to do that.
2: I loved how Sean Stevenson as well came off his right wing, got in at first receiver and gave the inside ball to Will Jordan. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's a winger. Yeah. You know, like, I know he's a talented fullback, but him and Will Jordan do have that similarity of being able to step into that first receiver uh, when they're on that right wing. Um, I just thought, you know, pretty courageous on your test debut. You just want to be... But, you know, he wanted to... He obviously got more and more confident in the game, but I thought that was a moment I was like, man, you, you, you... you're not in your show. you're comfortable at Test footy.
0: That first half, uh, I mean, I've seen different reactions to how the players went in the first half. There was obviously a lot of traffic that came down Stevenson's wing, um, where they scored the tries in those corners. What went on in that first half with the All Blacks, where everything seemed to go wrong?
2: Like, it, it, this is going to sound as basic as anything, but the, the big boys lost the collision. So, uh, you know, up front, jipper. Um, th- they didn't provide that platform. And if you actually look at when... Um, firstly, the second one, it wasn't Sean's tackle. He had to mark the guy inside, and, yeah. and Damien made the tackle. Um, the first one, and I don't want to sound defensive because everyone knows I love him, but if if you look... Because I give plaudits to the forwards when things go well. yeah. But if you look, there's about... Uh, I think there's three bodies on the ground in that ruck, yeah. which leaves them short, so they're constantly having to crab. Like, they either... What he could have done is go for a rush D, but it is a hero play. Um, but three bodies on the ground and and probably maybe one or two too many on the open side because the three bodies on the ground and quick ball. So they lost the collision in the carry. Cleaners got clean. Someone went for a hunt, which left two tacklers on the ground, then the hunter. So there's three all blacks, three wallabies, and then Tate McDermott, ball up, yeah. and, you know, just left short.
0: Mm.
2: Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not saying it's all their fault, but it's definitely, I think it's a little bit hard to put that defensive effort on yeah. Sean, but it's because they've come out publicly and said that his defence is a work on. Like even in the house I was watching it, they're like, oh, poor Sean. I was like, wasn't his fault. Yeah. And I got the old mice guy out, rewound re- 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 it, gave them an education session and then pushed play again.
0: <laughs> but I don't want to sound defensive. <laughs> that was the last time he got invited around for rugby. I don't want to sound defensive. Yeah. Was it your remote? Was it their house? It was definitely my remote. Oh, it was your remote. Okay, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: I thought the Australians in the first half, man, Please, they should have been up by another two or three, uh, maybe one oh. or two more tries. The, the Artie Sevier's held-up try with Sam Whitelock was massive and then obviously there was one in the um, in the twenty eight oh, in the twenty second minute when it was just held up and um, close to the close to the posts. You know, so they could have been up what maybe 28 twenty-eight, three at halftime because they dominated. Um, but then that second half, the All Blacks just found their mojo and I think the discipline areas that Ross we talked about last week, um, they had eight in the second half alone. And you know we just and to credit to the guys that came off the bench, I think our scrum with Fletcher Newell um, and Offa coming on really dominated that ascendancy in, in, in our set piece. And then I think more so just Richie and Aaron coming on and making really good decisions around taking the three, building the scoreboard pressure, and then we kind of just squeezed the Australians in that second half to then come over the top with that, with that scrum penalty in the 78th minute.
2: Oh, I, I, I was sort of happy, like obviously happy we won, but just that grit and determination to come from behind. Like we have had the start of the season where we've just been red hot and it's been too hard to peg us back. But this was a absolute role reversals, and and the team fronted up like first sort of thirty minutes. You know, Sam came mentioned it after the game like we just the boys' numbers one day lost collisions, like and mm. it just put them on the back foot. They couldn't couldn't get going. But for the next 50 minutes, they 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 just ground their way, worked their way back into it, and um, you know, and and the big dogs stood up. You know, Sam Whitelock, three turnovers at the break. Like he's a big man. Like to to be able to do that. Uh, you know, Brody does it as well, but. I don't know, like, I don't know how they're going to choose those starting locks. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, he, that was a big statement from him. Yeah. He was physical. He was dominant in the breakdown. Great in the air. Um, you know, he, he, would, he probably wouldn't be happy with the accuracy at line time for his standards. But as an individual, he operated, you know, one of the better tests I've seen him play of his 145 or whatever they are.
0: So with that, I mean, we've had a question from one of our viewers, um, Miguel Angel254 off YouTube, and his question was, who would your starting pack be if you had to pick a starting pack to start every single game of the Rugby World Cup? Who is your best eight?
2: Well, I'm going to lean on the fact that Brody's got a little niggle, so
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll make
2: that part of the selection, so Scooter and uh, Sam Whitelock in there. I think the front three are predictable mm. um, you know obviously it's DeGroote Taylor um, and Lomax and then obviously six is um, I was about to say female, Um, Frizzell <laughs> um, uh, Artie and, and Sam but like I just I don't know I can't pick the lock like it's just I don't know how you do it yeah like I, I think you know from a History says Sam Whiteluck needs to be there in terms of if the line out does go sideways. Um, but in saying that, it, on, on the South African game, uh, uh, I suppose it, it really showed that the other boys actually probably can handle that as well. Mm. Like it was a big statement, like the 100% accuracy that night, they found space in there, they stole line-out. Um, so maybe that's not as um, big a thing as it once was.
0: You can light a fire under Brodie Retallick on the bench. Like, can you imagine him coming on with half an hour to go just clearing out rucks and getting niggly and doing his thing?
2: I genuinely think you can light a fire under all three of them, you know? Like, whoever's sitting on that pine is not going to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) And they're going to come on with a real um, purpose. But they're also experienced enough not to ruin it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, they'll they'll have that burning desire, but they're not going to give away penalties. Like, so often the discipline um, just, you know, off the bench can... Make or break a game when it's close. Um, so they are fortunate that one of them, whoever is on the bench, is is going to be a key cog in terms of providing yeah. the right impact.
1: But it's going to be massive, I think. We can actually use that as a real positive in terms of, like, you look at the bomb squad for um, for the South Africans, you know, it's a 40, 50 minute job for the starting group and then 30 minutes or 35 minutes, sometimes even like 40, 40. And I think we're going to have the ability to be able to do that with Sam and Brody, I think. Now, scott will play mostly i think most of the most of the 80 minutes and then having the likes of retellic and wala whoever comes off the bench they'll both have massive impacts i think with time on the field for both of them
0: the second part of this question was for you bryn um from miguel angel 254 um what would be your starting back line if you were obligated to pick a starting backline that will start every single game of the world cup that's the proviso
1: um, oh, it's pretty easy for me, I reckon. Um, I'd probably go, you go Aaron Smith, um, Richie Moanga, Jordie Barrett, Rico Iwani, um, Will Jordan on one wing, and Bode Barrett is probably going to play fullback. But in saying that, I thought Will was outstanding at fullback and shows what his ability could do if they want to put him at fullback. But to Jipper's point around the locking situation, not being able to decide, it's really hard for me to decide that left wing.
2: Mark you've
1: got. <laughs> You've got Mark there or Leicester flying with you and I think with Mark, the way that he played in those two test matches and more so the South African one and the Australian one as well, um, he played really, really well and Leicester's obviously had one match due to his injury, but um, you know, whether that's Leicester get another opportunity against the South Africans in London in a couple of weeks' time, and then from that I guess from that decision making of uh, well that test match if he starts, they both have got two on the board and I think, you know, Caleb Clark is third in that order. Um, on their left-hand side, so everything's pretty much. I can go nine to pretty much fifteen, bar the eleven with Lister and Mark not being able to decide at the stage who that would be.
2: I just, I love it how he's like really caught in a tight spot here because one's a Harbour player and one's a Crusader. Jeez, like, <laughs> I don't know which way to go. So he's just painted his fence, you know, just red, just, red just and black, right. and then maroon on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who Where would you go um I think based on test match form you have to go Mark Talia currently um I thought Leicester was huge and I thought Leicester finished the super rugby season the form winger Hmm. like by far yeah out and out and and it was just disappointing for him um that he couldn't get a few few more few more goes um I personally think you've got to send out the 23 that you expect to play France
0: let's go back to the Australians um what did we learn about Australia in that game that we didn't already know?
2: Jeez, I've got they've got it there. Mm. But I think yeah. Tate McDermott summed it up as you just can't do it for 60. Like, you need that impact from your bench, you need to bring it home. Um, but it also summed up for me what we discussed about earlier in the year. The team that wins this World Cup is going to have to be really strong at set-piece, and that's where they disrupted the All Blacks and, and nailed their own stuff early. Um big in the collision and the breakdown area like the carry is probably the most when you say collision is the strong carry and then and or defensively you know you're winning that that collision not so much the breakdown will take care of what happens in that carry tackle area and then more I still think it's those if, if you just keep things simple in the way you approach that um and and you're just looking to get over the game line, not by 15 metres or whatever, it's like two or three. You just make little inroads, little dents. And the stat that will interest you the most about the Australians, it is the most offloads they've had in a game, I think in, I don't know, it was about, I I didn't look back that far, but like probably 12 months, say. Um, And it was purely because the, the easiest way to offload is winning the contact area, and then you can free your arms. If you don't win that contact area, and you throw an offload, it's it's just bubbling around and it's a, a waste of time. So, um, I think I just thought that was interesting. Is like, that just showed how dominant they were in that first 30 minutes, um, and they just couldn't keep it going purely because the opposition started stiffening up. But um, if they can get that going, they've they've got the skill set, oh. um, and, and they've got the firepower. But for Tate McDermott and that to thrive, they've got to have the platform.
1: I was looking at that first half, and like I said, the two tries that got held up in the first half, it could have been a lot more points for the Australians. And I know Eddie Jones has talked around there's been snippets or kind of time periods in the in the previous test match that he's been happy with. But you'd have to think that first half, he can build a lot of confidence in around that, knowing that, you know what, if we do get our collision.
0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: Yeah, right. And I thought their forward pack did that tremendously in that first half. There's enough there for them to be able to take confidence, to be able to try and win a World Cup. Now, their challenge is to try and get that for 80 minutes or at least 75 minutes, something like that, because they are playing for small parts of games. It might be 20 minutes in previous test matches. It was 40 minutes on the weekend. And if they can try and get that right, there's enough there, man. From what I saw in that first half, that they can um, they can build confidence with the draw on sorry, the side of the draw that they're on to then try and uh, get to that quarterfinal, semi final stage, and a lot more polished than they are right now.
2: I still think Quaid's got a lot to offer. I feel like he's the starting ten in my head, purely because he's coming back from a long injury. Um, that first game, you know, like he didn't have a lot of miles on the clock. And the way he performed when he came on, like he was quite a calming influence, yeah. um, and and really, probably made was a big part of making the All Blacks really have to work for that um, to get that that uh, penalty, um, and him kicking his own penalty. Uh, and you look at the Springboks game, and I, I think Andre Pollard's becoming more and more. A uh, cog they need as well. They kicked again at 55%. How often do we have we ever heard over history that a South African team kicked like they're 90 plus, 100 plus, you know, 100%. So, and I do think kicking's going to be important. Like, um, so I don't know. I think Quade's still got a big role to play um, in the in the ten jersey. Nothing on Carter Gordon. Um, I think you know. I think the courage he showed. Um, to trust his skills and come back after absolutely getting slated publicly um, for the week before um, shows that he's, he's built for it. Um, but I think coming on when there's a bit more clarity of where the game is at um, will be better for him and the Wallabies.
0: It seemed like a masterstroke for Eddie Jones to, to give him another shot and be like, OK, mate, I know that you're, you're our guy to some degree, whether it's off the bench or whether it's starting. I need you to get over this hump.
2: But it's also, what a sign to the team. Like, Eddie's a smart man, like, he had his back. Like, he got up some um, reporters, you know, um, you know, he he really went in to fight for him publicly and, and then to give him another go. And and I think all that all played into it, Billy. Like, it would be a hard, it would have been a hard week for him. It doesn't matter how relaxed you are, like, you, you can't ignore that noise. Um, and to come out and deliver the performance he did. And again, like, just like a 10 gets the plaudits and I... Like, the forward pack allowed him to play his best. You know, like, that, that he, the week before they didn't. Oh. You know, so it's... Um, you know, that is a big factor for them and they need to understand that.
1: But oh, just on that joke, who would you rather come off the bench? Would you rather Carter Gordon or a guy like Quade Cooper, how he did on the weekend?
2: Nah, I just think Quade's yeah. got to start. Oh, I don't know, I, I just think... Um, I just think it's unfair to... Uh, he, he was so influential for them before his Achilles last year. Um, he, yeah, just in my head, I just think they need him out there. He's so calm. He's got... He's in such a good space as an individual. I'd start him.
0: He's got the experience that...
2: They you have. imagine if he had that platform? Quade Cooper. Yeah. It would have been 28-3, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, he is... He's still got it.
0: Eddie was asked, Bryn, after the game, whether he felt his team was in a position now where they can build to be a World Cup champion. Of course, Eddie felt that they could. Um, but from your perspective, looking at their development, is that a bridge too far? Or do you honestly think that this team could build through the tournament to a point where they could be a contender come finals time?
1: What I saw on the weekend, the balance that they had in that first half, you know, know—they not they ran the ball a lot and there were a lot of offloads. You know, Angus Bell, man, I thought he was great for the 50s. How good 60s. was uh, he? Man, he's a great guy, you think, um, with more opportunities. He's going to be great. But the way that they played the attacking side, the, the change-up that they had around their switch plays and been able to go from week to week to change their plan a little bit and been able to get some really good benefit from it was really exciting to watch. And I think their contestable game with Tate McDermott and even Nick White in the tight situations, they played it really, really well, uh, whether they were a contestable off nine, Carter Gordon early on as well, off ten, um, They've got the DNA, I think, the proof um, to be able to, to get it. When they do get it right, um, they'll be able to, I think, yeah, again, be contending for those quarterfinal stages based on the fact that they've got the attacking ability um, and they've got that contestable game when it gets into that no-man zone. So they've just got to put it all together. And their challenges, Eddie said at the last three test matches, that they just haven't had the ability to be able to stay in it and be, uh, I guess, be, be ruthless in the sense of what's needed um, in those crucial moments.
2: I was, on, I was on that bandwagon early before the Rugby Championship. I definitely thought with that side of a draw, Eddie Jones, so forth. Without seeing that 50 minutes, mm. I would have said no chance. I just didn't think, you know, we just hadn't seen enough. But they can do it. They can string it together. And I genuinely think the All Blacks are a chance. And I know All Blacks made a lot of changes. But to sit here and say that I think the All Blacks are a chance and they're not, would just, wouldn't make sense in my own head. So exactly. I think there are a chance. I don't think, I don't think they're in the top five though. Personally.
0: Yeah. But you don't need to be in the top five. You just need to win a couple of games. No,
2: and for their side of the draw, and I, yeah. I don't want to keep being disrespectful with that side of the draw, but it's a reality. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what I saw from Fiji against Japan, man, that was, they, they, they are fit and tactically astute mm like some of their exiting um and their discipline to exit they they there was a red card and then they got maybe a little bit carried away with trying to play too much but if they can keep that discipline they showed in that first 20 to 30 minutes against japan like that they're they're a they are well or benny Volavola, man he is running a good cutter um so i think they're a chance as well japan though boy yeah What's going on there? Not sure. I think two two games of um, that Pacific Cup, they lost a the red card early, which doesn't help. Um, but they're just not, like, the Fijian pack just m- monstered them.
0: Yeah. Like, monstered. Let's just cover off the England, Wales and France, Scotland this weekend. Maybe because the squads changed so considerably and there was so much going on, it's not really worth getting into the individuals or the gameplay. The experimenting at this point that all the teams appear to be doing, you've both been in pre-seasons. What is the point of all of the experimentation and and how does it help the side achieve what it needs to achieve when the World Cup kicks off in a month's time?
2: Yeah, well, from my point of view, it's it's so, you know, as we sort of spoke about earlier, injuries are going to happen and you don't want to have to um, put someone in a position they haven't been. But also putting them in a less pressurised position like you'd actually control the week and say look and I know this is going to sound ridiculous but it's, don't focus on the result mm. just focus on the experience and 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 we what you need to do in your role and nail it and then we can learn from it and then at least um they've got something to go on they know you know use tame plum Tree, for example he's come from you know not getting much super rugby to making a test debut he now knows what test rugby is about so mm you know going into the world cup it's not going to be as dramatic it will be more intense but it'd be a lot more intense had he not had that experience and the the teams that won probably experimented less if you know what i mean like the french were heavily not the french and yeah. and obviously england the same were a little, looked a little bit different um so um, I, I, think, I think everyone chose this weekend, or the weekend just being, to do it. And I think the, the focus will start to turn to a, a consistent 23.
0: Yeah. Now, Jordy Barrett um, didn't play on the weekend. Anton Leonard-Brown was getting a bit of game time. But we had a chance to catch up with Jordy Barrett as part of our series, catching up with All Blacks leading into the World Cup. Of course, he's moved into the midfield from fullback. He talks us through that and how those things have changed, bulking up. And, of course, a little bit about his golf because the lad plays off a one and
1: that's quite impressive Ross we obviously talk yeah. it here,
0: but I'm gonna go straight into it with yeah.
1: golf
3: what are you shooting now 71, 72 is just ohhh <laughs> at this time of the year my handicap that's not very sustainable because yep. you're only out there once a week and if it's wet well then zero times a week but yep. in the summer you're allowed to get, get out there a wee bit more yeah. and sometimes after so you're running scratch? one one? one yeah geez that must be nice saying that mate it must oh, be nice tell you what and a one shot can make a lot of difference down the stretch and <laughs> yeah. one stroke hole yeah and the other boys are they in the similar <coughs> zone? yeah the, a lot of them are single figures I think Damien um, he's on about a 5, Body similar Will might be on a 7 or 8 now and yeah some handy enough golfers around Nuggie he he's off about an 8 or 9 he can go low at any time yeah. too so yeah there's a bit going on, Tyra Lomax swings it well for a front rower, he's yeah. like 12 or 13 now so he's improving massively He had a big ball I reckon I. Eh? Yeah he had a big ball Do you go big ball? I presume your goal kicking um, yes, maybe you go big Not really like I yeah. get it out there well enough but I'm not an overly big hitter um, I just don't have to, to, too good a rotation and playing midfield now doesn't help that either. You must be doing something right, you're playing if I one,
0: so I think you don't need to have a ball that long then. So you've stacked up the kilos for the midfield and it's made it so you can't get around so easy. Yeah I can see why um, Tyrell, the big front rowers and all the forwards
3: <laughs> look so rigid all the time. Yeah. Um, bit of a sore Gary Jack but uh, it's, yeah it certainly helps your golf, uh, certainly helps your footy in my opinion, yeah. freeze you up all
0: the time. Yes. Yeah. alright awesome. oh, so have you had to put on a bit of weight to be a midfielder mate or have you stayed at the same kind of place? I mean you're a big tall <coughs> bloke but you were a kind of skinny guy early on
3: Yeah, I think I come in and I was playing 12 or 13 for Canterbury and I might have been um 88 kilos and mm. now I'm playing at 105 so a <laughs> bit of a disparity there the Difference? Uh, yeah.
0: yeah Yeah and just what, just slowly
3: building and building Yeah, slowly built and then it, <coughs> more particularly in the last couple of years or last year or so since I've been playing 12 I was sitting around 99 100 playing fullback but i feel like i just need a little bit more mm. on my frame now um particularly internationally we've seen you look at all the size of the opposition and particular opposition midfielders um here around the world there's some big boys now yeah. so you to be able to carry it um it's a little bit harder than super rugby when they're trying to speed the game up a little bit but mm. you back your legs all the time whereas um yeah, international now they're not too worried about that there's stoppages so you might as well carry an extra couple on your frame yeah. Yeah. have you have you found that because obviously playing with a bit more weight it might be a bit harder mm. on the lungs you're obviously naturally fit but mm. if you, did you find it take a little bit of time yeah. to get used to that yeah a little bit within reason as long as it's good weight mm. um but well, the faster the game the better for me um mm. personally I know it hurts at some stages but that's where I guess to fit guys um create an edge over other people so you work hard enough on it and you're lucky enough when you're younger gain a big fitness space you <laughs> want to be able to impact games in a certain way and when it's slowed down i feel like you don't get that advantage mm-hmm. so um yeah all the yeah skinny fast boys try and gain the advantage that way so it's great when it's sped up and there's fatigue in the game Rico's fast like I mean is he the fastest guy doing the rounds in the team yeah I, I, I think so I, I think he's he's certainly the fastest on the on the GPS I guess some guys are quick over 510 and then over 50 and other guys quicker over 100 so mm. he'd be a good test there I know was really quick, was qu- quick off the mark Rico's probably good at about 40 yep Bodie might be <laughs> up there around the Hundy. hundi yeah yeah that longer yeah, yeah. But, and for you? um with a, ro- with a rolling start I go All right. <laughs> once again <laughs> we just gonna get the legs going <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah 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 what else about moving to 12? obviously a lot of time at 15 gives you good mm-hmm. vision of the game uh, have you been able to take those elements and, and bring it into 12 and, and make yourself a better 12 than maybe you were when you started at Canterbury? I think um with me being
3: quite versatile at a young age and playing almost every position in the back line it gives you a good perspective of what other players want out of you and what you need out of them so yeah it was great for my growth and in some ways probably fast tracked my footy iq even just understood what was required in each position and mm. um what you need a- out of each other really um and within i guess systematically once you're in multi-phase 10 12s 15s yeah. wingers even now it's all the roles are interchangeable um but it's just those more those little things um around set piece where you gotta make little adjustments half a second uh, um can mean a lot and yeah. off set piece, particularly the way different teams are defending and um the way you, you go in and game plan each week now that changes from week to week and internationally it happens every week and you've got to adjust your game like that but um yeah the versatility's helped me um yeah in that aspect i feel we've talked a lot on this podcast around the breakdown area and if you probably look at the you know the
1: last two games that you boys have played, um, the starts that you guys have had in the areas around the breakdown have been a lot better, yourself included, being able to get over that advantage line. Mm. But one element that we've been really enjoying seeing is the attacking kicks. Now yeah. when it comes from the 10, 9, yourself, 13s, all the back line can kick, but maybe just give us a little insight around how that's changed, because it seems like the attacking game, especially against the Springboks, mm.
3: the attacking kicks and being able to get there, what that's been the improvement? how that's been improved yeah it's like the Springboks and any team that defend so physically um real tight um not really zonal focused They're just focused on bodies and mm-hmm. sometimes they'll be even off turnovers or quick ball um you see look on your arm or their wingers they'll fly up three or four bodies in and not too worried about their space for wingers mm-hmm. and um I guess teams that defend like that they feel as they as though they can just cut off that pass all the time and if you don't depart um, late enough or you don't have the ability to get that skill yeah. away you've got to be able to access it somewhere else some way or another so um yeah we've looked at that with various parts of kicking game um yeah those short kicks just to shape um the way teams are going to defend and if you do one early in the game it's going to be in the back of their mind and um but it changes every week some other teams will be quite passive and there's no real kick space or any time you throw big wide passes they'll just push off and lap it up so yeah. they short sure, sure kicking game um even just kick passes to wingers um and longer you just got to have a lot of variation and uh it's key there in your back line you got three or four guys that have the ability to be able to mm-hmm. do that
0: Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that you've all got different roles as well within the kicking on the weekend. <clears throat> Richie um, kicking at goals, you were kicking for touch, Body was doing kickoffs, like it, it's a real horses for courses mentality. Mm-hmm. In some ways um, we feel
3: it's just best man for the job or whoever's comfortable. Um, we're not too rigid in that space, within a week we'll get through our normal routines. Um, we'll all goal kick we'll all kick for touch we'll do our short kicking routines and whoever's required in the game depending on selections we'll just have a conversation normally on a Thursday or a Friday at cabin's run um yeah, and Richie might just say oh you do you want to do kicks for touch and I'll be like so it is and he'll kick goals and Bodie will do restarts or Damien will kick goals and it's just the way it works and um <coughs> we all we all want to kick and impact the game that way but we just feel like we're we can pose our strengths um but yeah, it's m- most beneficial for the team yeah and the world cup's obviously coming up not too far away and you look at the likes of the French and the Irish
1: obviously came down here last year and um, were really successful there is it where you just touched on the breakdown um, and obviously the <coughs> kicking game with the high speed pressure mm. is there anything else that you guys are working on knowing that you know you're going to be able to play the French in that quarter final stage might be against the South Africa again or you know the French mm. who are playing
3: really well at home yeah, like, like you just said, the breakdown, um, it can be a coin toss if you allow it um, to mm-hmm. be these days. There's so many different interpretations um, and so many teams, particularly with the way we play and try to play high and fast tempo, that's the first place they'll try and stop you at the source. If it's not scrum or line-out, it's breakdown. and. Yeah. Um, the ability to, for the ball carrier to control uh, the ball f- for a start and then the two support players just to clean that space so quickly it just mm. sets everything else up so quick so um, it's an area we've been putting a lot of time into in the um, last couple of years in particular yeah, Joe Smith um, has driven a lot of that and it's key um, you can't do anything without the ball and yeah. every time someone carries there's a breakdown so whether you like it or not you just got to learn to love it. Some teams obviously are going to be a little more passive in the tip lines. You look at the Argentinian game. You know
1: Fazal obviously scooted through, and then, or well, sorry, scooter went through from the ball from Fazal. They obviously got really good quick mm-hmm. ball. Then I thought on the on the weekend against the South Africans, you guys were a lot tighter. Was that yeah. just obviously the mindset,
3: bigger men, and just being able to have a real clear role, make it really easy for quick ball? Yeah, for sure. Cowboy aspects. Um, if you get too wide, any time with the ball in the air mm-hmm. with a line speed team they're just going to land on you um, and you're not going to have any time on the ball because if we fail we're just tighten up a little bit um get a little bit closer get the ball earlier a bit of time for footwork it's the only real way around it like yeah. whether you like it or not you can't play wider or flatter into their strengths otherwise you're just not going to be able to have any ball but um yeah it's something that's having to be varied from week to week and like you said just with that short passing game it's a lot easier to recycle ball when you're getting a one on one tackle rather yeah. than two shoulders versus one ball carrier. Um and that's the way we're sort of looking at the game at the moment. Do you mm. enjoy
0: a clean out? Is that something that part of your I've had to learn to up? like <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, a lot of it's just mental. Um and just winning that race a lot Mm -hmm. of the time if you get there quick enough you don't have to get into a slog fest with a loose forward or a hooker or someone who's harder over the ball so if you just get there nice and fast you solve a lot of your problems have you found um defensively 15 to 12 probably a lot more tackles and around that especially against big men
1: um have you found that combination also with Rico and working together and that cohesion to be able to have a good formidable
3: you know pairing yeah defensively um two completely different games I feel Mm. um 15 you're carrying uh, covering a lot of metres and generally if the ball doesn't go to you when you're at the back you've done a good job because you've covered that space Mm. or you've communicated with your wingers or the other person in the backfield so a lot of unseen work there um and midfield it's a lot of the game now is just trying to stop teams at source and that and that first phase where um if you don't allow them any momentum on strike well then it'll your fold to come and mm. your big boys be able to get um square with the collisions so that's probably been the toughest ex- aspect um defending in that transition zone with a lot of traffic it, yep. the pitches change all the time um you're dealing with big athletes and
0: you got to be technically sound you've also got Rico outside who brings a lot of line speed does that help mm. you with those decisions you make through those yeah areas? it does the the great thing working
3: with Rico he's got a lot of speed and he he can back that speed so um yeah not too often he'll he'll get burnt and it's it's that's moving every single week um we're never going to be masters of, of our craft and different oppositions different specials that teams will throw at us um we've just got to be really aware of it and look for cues and communicate really well so um yeah we'd, we've got a real uh big desire just to try and get better every week us two um and of course all the other midfielders as well um it's, it's such a hard place to defend sometimes you got to do a lot of work and yeah dealing with some good athletes
0: and Rico's obviously got an
3: amazing highlights reel mm. what do, what do we not see that he does really well he does a lot of good traditional midfield work um kick chase yeah. I feel he's one of the best um midfielders in the world uh, at wide breakdown yeah. particularly counter and collision often if if he's in a white wide collision he'll survive that collision quite well and then and then go through and put a lot of pressure on opposition rack, and that's invaluable for a defensive line um gives you the ability to get set and come forward and and be physical in the next one so yeah a lot a lot of that work you I, I guess if you're on TV it's hard to see because it's always zoned in mm. but if you're looking at a bit of analysis and you're on the laptops you go to the wide view and you see the guys that are working pretty hard and normally
0: he's one of them well thank you very much Geordie we appreciate your time and uh good luck for the coming weeks thanks thanks very much cheers cool. So the question is, will Geordie Barrett play against the Springboks in a couple of weeks' time, Jipper? Do you see that happening, or is it important that David Harvey, who's only had a very small amount of rugby, gets his crack? Um,
2: I've got to be consistent with what my thoughts have been. I think he has to start, but I think Davey can play that 23 role, mm. um, especially with, obviously, you don't need to carry as many outsides when Rico can go to a winger, but he can go to first five. You know, like, he can probably carry maybe a midfielder and one outside or you could go for like a Damien McKenzie and a, a mm. Davy Hoverley but I think you've got to get that combination back running hot it's it's crucial when they're going well when Rico and Geordie are going well um, and we know that's our starting midfield um, I think that that would be my, my personal take Bryn? Yeah.
1: yeah I think the fact that we've got one test match before that, um, before the opening of the World Cup, I think it's important to get that combination coming back in so you have to think Geordie would start that South African game we'd be pretty close to you know, our top test match team leading into that Rugby World Cup and then knowing the fact that you know we actually do have um, some games yeah. where I think the likes of Daphne will be able to build his rhythm in terms of being able to get you know an 80 minute performance or 70 minute performance to get his legs underneath him to be able to if there is an injury um, he's battle tested in the sense of um, game management and having some some meaningful minutes, and so you know that'll be to come to I think a lot of the squad um, in that early part after the French game. Uh, you know we've got the Italians, and I think that'll probably be you have to think maybe a, a full-strength All black side. And the other two Test matches, you know, hate to say it, but you know it's you'd have to think they're going to be convincing victories and giving the squad that ability to be able to play um, in those games as well. So, um, but to come back, yeah, I think Jordy starts that South African game, going into France, and then using a bit of the squad for the rest of that um, back into that um, first part of the pool play.
2: I reckon you could see, potentially, I've just thought of this now, so don't laugh at me. Let's go. Um, like, Anton and Havili, Leonard Brown and Anne Havili on the bench. Mm. Bear with me here. I think you'd have to start Mark Talair, OK? Um, because if they replace the midfield, Rico goes to left wing, Mark Talair can go to right wing, Will Jordan can um, maybe slip back to fullback. Or Havili. Yeah, or haveli Um I don't know, like could you see that? Like I know they're two midfielders, but Havili has the ability to, as you say, play fullback. He's elite. He's
1: an elite fullback. Yeah, like yeah. he's good. Well, and to be honest, he came
2: he a run. run as well. You know, like he hasn't yeah. had a lot of rugby either.
1: I know, but then it just comes back to like you say though, we probably want our best, you know, coming into that um test We think Geordie. Um but and I think, luckily, you talk around Rico, he can cover that wing position and Davy can cover pretty much everything bar halfback. Um, so his ability, the versatility that you can have on the bench, because he can cover 10 as well at a pinch. Hmm. Um, and then you've also got Anton who can cover second, five, centre. So, hey, mate, that could be something, he Jip. He looks so that, uh, good at
2: centre, oh, like. Anton, I thought. Like, imagine a Havili, mm. Leonard Brown. Nah. Yeah. Don't do it, Jip. Let's see.
0: Let's see. <laughs> One thing I would say about ALB, we talked about it last week, is that he seems to be running with some serious determination, like he's been told. Gain line son, we need gain line.
2: Oh, and he wants to start. Yeah. He knows he knows that midfield's pretty rock solid set, so he's 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 gonna make every opportunity a winner.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see how that all goes, but we've got a few weeks to analyze. Who's going to play in that game? So let's not go overboard today because we've got to talk about things over there. Well, there'll be a bit of
2: NPC, well. you know. There's a bit of
0: NPC. <laughs> the NPC's lighting up. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a Harbour Canterbury this weekend. It is, it is.
2: I tell you what, that Auckland Bay of Plenty game was, pff, wow. I don't know how Bay of
0: Plenty lost that.
2: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yep.
0: plenty of time to chat a bit of mpc yeah the coming beautiful, weeks. beautiful so we'll do a little of that plus we'll also have tamaiti williams on the show next week discovering what this new colossal all black he's a big man is all about so we'll catch up with him as well in the next coming weeks but before we go thank you very much james parsons bryn hall down in christchurch appreciate your time and we'll catch you all again next week on the aotearoa rugby pod matewa